Hello, my name is Brenna Bay, and I'm a Senior Construction Associate here at Edwin Co. Welcome to the second in our series of podcasts about residential construction. The goal of these podcasts is to discuss and address potential pitfalls that often arise on residential construction projects. Numerous of the topics which we will discuss in these podcasts are also covered in our guide entitled What to Know Before You Start Digging a Hole, which can be found on our website. I would highlight that the information within these podcasts is general guidance only and may not necessarily apply to your particular situation, since of course every construction project is different. Therefore, I would strongly recommend that before you undertake any sort of construction project or sign any agreements or appointments, you seek professional advice. You will recall that in our first podcast, we discussed the reasons why you should have a proper written contract or appointment when you engage a contractor or consultant. Not only should a written agreement outline the terms which you have agreed, negotiation of the document provides the opportunity for you and the consultant or contractor to discuss the project in more detail. Just like it would be a bad idea for a contractor to start building a house without any plans, you should not start paying a consultant or contractor without a written agreement. So in this podcast, we will discuss the appointment of consultants, and in the next podcast, we will address building contracts. As I previously mentioned, within the construction industry, we have a vast number of standard form contracts and appointments. The thought is that with standard forms, it should make it quicker and less costly for parties to agree a contract. However, as we will see, it is rare for such templates to accurately reflect the realities of every project. For consultants, there are numerous standard form appointments which are drafted by the various professional bodies. For example, the Royal Institute of British Architects, or REBA, provides agreements for architects. The Association for Consultancy and Engineering, or ACE, provides appointments for engineers, like structural engineers or mechanical and electrical engineers. And the Royal Institution of Chartered Surveyors, or RICS, has appointments for surveyors, for example, quantity surveyors. There are, of course, other types of appointments, and some consultants have their own terms and conditions. The actual type of consultants, and thus appointments you will need, depends on the nature of your project. In most cases, you will likely require an architect, and where there are structural works, a structural engineer. You will also need what is known as a principal designer, in order to comply with the Construction, Design and Management Regulations 2015, although sometimes this role might be carried out by the architect, if it has the required skills. The point is that the number and nature of consultants, and thus appointments that you will require, depends on your project. So, after deciding on the type of consultants you need, you will likely get fee quotes and determine who you would like to appoint. Normally, the letter you receive from a consultant is not a full, proper appointment. Rather, in most cases, it is simply a fee quote, which may refer to either an industry standard form appointment, like REBA, or the consultant's own terms and conditions. While there is nothing wrong per se with using the consultant's industry standard form of appointment as a starting point, in the vast majority of cases there will need to be some element of change or amendment to the standard forms. This need for amendments is rather straightforward and simple. Standard form appointments are just that, standardized. They do not cater for specific projects, nor in some cases the fact that you, the employer, are a residential owner and not an experienced developer. Let's take an example. The appointment of an architect. REBA has various versions of its appointments. Thus the first thing is to ensure that your architect is using a current version of the appointment. I recently had a case 
where the architect was using a 2012 version of the REBA appointment. Why is this an issue? Because changes to the health and safety regime were introduced in 2015. So how could an unamended, standardized 2012 appointment cater for these legislative changes? This is an issue with all standard form appointments or contracts. Even when using the most recently released version, standard forms are basically frozen in time while the law is constantly progressing. Therefore, amendments are often required to ensure that the appointment or contract is kept up to date with current legislation. Returning to our example of the appointment of an architect, the second issue is which form of REBA agreement should be used, since REBA provides two forms of architect appointment, professional and domestic. As the REBA domestic appointment says it is devised for use with a consumer client relating to work on the client's home, people often presume this is the correct form for residential developments. However, this agreement does not, by default, cater for situations where the homeowner has a lender, since the appointment makes no reference to a lender and does not require the architect to provide collateral warranties. We will discuss collateral warranties in a future podcast. For now, the takeaway is that warranties are more often than not required by lenders. While the REBA professional appointment does cater for collateral warranties, that doesn't mean that it's 100% appropriate for residential development either, since this form of appointment contains various other conditions which may be considered too onerous for a residential employer or which again might not be acceptable to a lender. So normally, we tend to use industry standard forms with amendments which encapsulate project-specific requirements. Whether you decide to use an industry standard form appointment with amendments or are considering the consultant's own terms and conditions, there are a variety of terms that you will either want included in your professional appointments or need to avoid. Let's talk through a few important examples. First, and critically, you need to ensure that the consultant has sufficient professional indemnity insurance. We'll talk about insurance more in another podcast. For now, the important points are that the consultant has sufficient insurance and the basis of the insurance is any one claim. If you are given professional indemnity insurance with an aggregate limit, it is likely that this will not provide you adequate protection nor be accepted by a lender. Next, you need to watch for any limitations of liability. For example, the default in the ACE Professional Services Agreement, and normally in any bespoke consultant terms and conditions, is that the consultant's liability is limited to the fees which you have paid. So let's say, for example, you've paid a structural engineer £10,000 in relation to your new house, which is costing you £2 million to build. If the engineer makes a mistake, the cost of rectifying that mistake might be considerably more than £10,000. Instead, what is normally acceptable is that a consultant's liability is limited to the level of its professional indemnity insurance for each and every claim. So in conclusion, the objective of this podcast was to look a bit more at consultant appointments and highlight some important considerations before you agree an appointment. While the standard REBA, ACE, or RICS forms of appointments are all great starting points, it is highly unlikely that they can be used without some amendments. This is mostly because standard form agreements are frozen in time, yet the law progresses and projects are all different. Additionally, sometimes the standard forms, and definitely any of a consultant's own terms and conditions, tend to favour the consultant. 
So you need to watch provisions. Some examples that we've talked about are professional indemnity insurance, as well as limitations of liability. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast and will join me again next time.